The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we are just working ourselves to death here every single solitary week to be your public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And if you're here in the greater Cincinnati area, you've probably seen the ads or met somebody who's going to or gotten an email about or something our upcoming real estate investing expo sponsored by the nonprofit real estate investors association of greater cincinnati it's coming up this saturday it's from nine to five don't have to stay the whole time but you should stay long enough to see some of the 14 mini workshops meet some of the several dozen vendors who are there sort of vying for your business as a as a client they've got we've got lenders we've got cpas lawyers uh more lenders uh contractors folks who um sell houses all kinds of things uh just people whose cards you need to get you know so because they're important to your real estate investing business and also super importantly from 10:30 to noon at that event we have today's guest jeffrey taylor mr landlord who's going to be joining us to talk about how to raise the income on the rentals you already have and if you haven't seen jeffrey uh wow you really just need to come out there and and do that because guess how much it costs the best price of all free yay nonprofits woohoo yay you can get all the details about the various presentations and uh, vendors who are going to be there and you can RSVP which is going to be super important because there's going to be food there throughout the day and we need to know how much to get you can do that at cincinnatiria.com that's cincinnati reia.com in honor of his upcoming presentation here in Cincinnati, my guest today is Mr. Jeffrey Taylor, better known probably as Mr. Landlord. He's the author of The Landlord's Kit, which is the best-selling book nationwide on the subject of property manager management. And also, he's the author of The Landlord's Survival Guide. Most of you guys probably know him from his website, mrlandlord.com, which get this, gets over a million page views every month. Boy, George, don't you wish that WMKV.org got a million page views every month? That's incredible. A year. <laughs> Ever, in total. Um, he's, I think most importantly, a hyper-experienced landlord, and he has owned uh, rental properties with his wife now for over 30 years. They've got 
a bunch of properties ranging from single families to apartment communities. And uh, he's joining us today to sort of update us on what is happening in the world of landlording. Joining us by phone is Jeffrey Taylor, Mr. Landlord. Hey, Jeffrey, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hey, Miss Vena, how you doing? I am doing really good, and I am looking forward to seeing your presentation on Saturday because it looks like a lot of it's new stuff. So I'm excited about that, and I am uh, excited that uh, you are bothering to keep up on what's going out on out in the world, and seem very well, aware of it. what's up. <laughs> Some of it is not by choice. So one of the things I'll be sharing is, you know, I've been teaching on the subject for quite a number of years. and In fact, it's been over 35 years that I've been a rental property owner, my wife and I, and been teaching for about 30 years on the subject. But it was just recently, just last year, in fact, where I had my first fair housing discrimination accusation made against me. Mm. And um, I've taught on that subject for many years, but now I've got a whole different perspective on what to do and what not to do when it comes to being a rental property owner and reducing the chances that you can be accused of discrimination, illegal discrimination. Mm-hmm. And, and it looks so I'll like be sharing some of that on Saturday. Yeah, looking forward to sharing some of that. In fact, and it looks like it looks like that this uh, fair housing claim wasn't even by we, when we think of fair housing claims, we think of we think of it as somebody was trying to apply for my unit, and I said something that bothered him or did something that bothered him, and this that's not even what happened to you. No, in fact, it was somebody who had been a resident and six months. After they moved out is when I get the letter in the mail from the uh, st- from our state, from a fair housing office in our state, saying that I've been accused. So it didn't involve necessarily the uh, screening process. They were checking to see if I had did certain things after the person moved in and at the time when they were exiting from the property. Interesting. Interesting. So you've you've gone through that now, and I assume I, I came out on the good side, by the way, just to, to let you know. Well, that's that's good, and I, I assume you now have added some systems to your own process to make sure that if you ever get accused of something like that again, you can just pull out a file and say, "Here's what actually happened." Exactly, and the thing about it, Vina, that I that really hit home for me in terms from a learning standpoint. Was it's not necessarily that you're doing the wrong thing. The question is, are you doing enough of the right thing to prove that you're not guilty? Because it kind of floored me a little bit. I'm, I was a, a bit naive, even though I taught on the subject. I was a bit naive in thinking, okay, uh, you know, as long as I didn't do anything wrong, what's the problem? Uh, you know, I should be innocent. But it, they came at me from the standpoint of, well, let me say it this way. I got the impression that I had to prove myself in order to show that I'm not guilty. I didn't start off with the assumption of innocence. And if I hadn't, hadn't been able to show enough evidence um, that I was not guilty, it would have been a good chance that I would have been hit with a pretty large penalty. And the penalties um, in fair housing can be pretty steep. I mean, first-time offenders can be hit with up to Fifteen, eighteen thousand dollars, or sixteen thousand mm-hmm. uh, dollars in penalty alone, not counting any other 
uh, attorney fees, court costs, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, very true. It can be extremely costly. So uh, it is one of those things that folks who own rental properties need to pay attention to before it happens. Because if you start paying attention to it after you've been accused, way too late. Yeah, way too late. In fact, when I got that initial letter, I was told that I needed to respond within 10 days with all of my policies, all of my procedures, all of my criteria um, to help show that I was in compliance from a fair housing standpoint. Well, you're absolutely right. You know, at that point, it's a little too late to start getting your ducks in a row and start writing out your procedures, writing out your criteria, and writing it all out then, because it's going to be harder for you to be able to prove uh, that you're not guilty. And so I really encourage rental property owners, if they haven't taken the time to have a, a set of written criteria and certain policies in place, you definitely want to you want to do that. Because when I got that letter saying I needed to respond within 10 days, I couldn't play around with that. And even with that said, I still got a hold of an attorney. Still got a hold of an attorney because this is not the kind of thing, this is not a do-it-yourself. Uh, landlords are so quick to do things themselves. I just want to say right from the get-go that, no, you don't want to find yourselves, find yourself trying to do this yourself to prove that you're innocent or not guilty. So mm-hmm. I immediately uh, contacted an attorney, which, which by itself is a little bit of a challenge because like you, I try to prepare for things in advance. And so I've got my list of contractors. I've got my real estate success team. I've got my um, CPA, my attorney, my uh, uh, realtor. I got all these different people that I can call on, but I didn't have an attorney who specialized in fair housing. And you don't want to just get any attorney. You want to get an attorney who specializes in the subject to be able to help you out if you ever get accused. Very true. Always got to know. Always got to know where that next team member is because you never know when you are going to need them. And I'm I'm sorry you had to go through that because I know how stressful those those fair housing investigations are because you are made to feel like you did something wrong even when you're like ninety nine point nine percent sure you didn't and a hundred percent sure you didn't mean to. But I am glad you came out uh, on the right side of that (laughs) when it was all over. Uh, We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Mr. Landlord about um, his, his view of the rental market, of the changing demographics and psychographics of renters, and how that might change the way you're doing business going forward. We're also going to take your questions at 877-772-9658 or at askvina at gmail.com. Support comes from the Jardine Company, a residential property appraisal firm serving Ohio and Kentucky residents since 2005. John Jardine is a certified residential appraiser, FHA certified, and can help appraise a property's value if contesting the county's value assessment of a home. He also assists in estate planning to help determine what a home is worth if considering moving, downsizing, or settling an estate. John Jardine, certified appraiser can be reached at 513-646-9822. It's 75 degrees. 
75 degrees right now. You're listening to WMKV and WLHS. 75 degrees, as we said, at 517. Let's check traffic for you here during Real Life Real Estate Investing. We have an accident West Mitchell Avenue between 75 and Vine. We also have an accident Sycamore north of 4th Street. Mark Bright Avenue at Eileen Drive. Another accident reported Lynn Street between Ezard Charles and Derek Turnbow Avenue. Vine Street near Green, we have an accident. 75 southbound, we have an issue at 275. That's on the Ohio side. 75 southbound at 275. Also 275 eastbound between Coleraine and Hamilton Avenue. That's 275 eastbound there. U.S. 50 at Round Bottom Road, an accident. 71 southbound at Reading Road, an accident. Also 171 southbound just after Stewart. 3rd Street at Broadway, also an accident. If you'd like to join the conversation today on Real Life Real Estate Investing, it's 513-772-9658. Call in and join the talk show. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and my guest today is Jeffrey Taylor, also known as Mr. Landlord, uh, somebody that most serious rental housing providers have run across at some point in their life or another because he's done over a thousand uh, presentations at various places, groups, cruises, seminars, <laughs> all sorts of all sorts of events over the last 30 years or so, and he's going to... Well, that's actually in the last two years, Rena, but go ahead. You've done a 1,000 in the last two years. Wait a minute, how many days are there in a year again? <laughs> I'm exaggerating, but not that much. <laughs> he's going to be here in Cincinnati at a free and open to the public meeting, which is which is unusual. Normally he's at you know Cincinnati Rhea meeting, and you got to pay 35 bucks to come if you're not a member. But this is your chance to just come and, you know, I get there early because we only have a certain number of seats and we are we, we already have more people signed up for the event than there are seats. So if everybody comes to see Jeffrey, there's, it's going to be standing room only. CincinnatiRia.com is how you uh, RSVP to be there this upcoming Saturday. And uh, Jeffrey, I noticed that one of the things that you're you're talking about now in the in the information you're sending out to to groups is how the rental business is sort of changing based on, well, lots of things, the demographics of renters, the psychographics of renters, uh, technologies changing things. I mean, it's just, it's not the same business that it was even 10 years ago, much less 20 or 30 years ago. Can you talk a little bit about how that has, that has changed your business and changed the way you tell other people to most profitably run their businesses? Let me say it like this. Um, a lot of rental property owners, when, they, when they're starting out, as I teach and listen to where rental property owners are coming from, I, I'm, a, I'm somewhat concerned because many are, being, are starting off with a mindset that's going to not help them to really get that far in this business, to be honest with you. Um, most rental property owners only get maybe five or ten rentals. That's the average across the country with the, with all the rental property owners that are doing it. Of course, you know, there are some that get the 25, 50, 100, 200 or more, but the average rental property owner, they, they may get five to ten. 
And I think a lot of that has to do with the mindset that many of us start off with, myself included, where in which we start from the thinking that we're supposed to do everything ourselves. Um, and so we try to do everything ourselves to the point where we think we need to get a property manager. And by the time we get to that point, we don't have enough cash flow to, um, to hire the property manager or we're so burned out we don't even want to keep the properties any longer. Uh, any longer, As I travel across the country, I'm constantly running into landlords. About a third of them are still excited about the business. A third of them are ready to get out. And a third of them not sure what they want to do. And, again, I think a lot of that is because of the mindset that we start out that we got to try to do everything. And you were talking about some of the advances. Uh, you know, some of the advances are technology and, and things where in which – you can do a lot of stuff now from your phone, from your computer. But the real problem I see it is, is just the whole mindset because you're not going to even start looking to do the technology or start trying to do things differently if you think you're you're responsible for doing everything connected with your rental business. And if you start off thinking that way, you're only going to get so far because your mind can only handle so much. And if your mind is constantly on taking care of all the minutiae that's involved sometimes in the rental property business, it doesn't allow you to uh, listen to different instructors, like even good instructors, great instructors like yourself, where you're teaching people how, how they can buy property, how they may wholesale, how might they acquire or control more property, but they can't even take your ideas in because they got so much of their mind on dealing with all the stuff that needs to take place as a, with rental property. You're, you you know you're describing my father when you say somebody somebody who felt like he he had to always have his thumb in everything about his rentals right if there was if if mm-hmm. if he got a call from a tenant at midnight he would answer it and then he if they said well there's a leak somewhere in my house he would go look at it rather than send a plumber because, you know, why why pay a plumber $150 to go look at a leak when I can probably fix it with some caulk from <laughs> Home Depot, you know? And you're absolutely right. It, it the 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 thing that you're giving up by saving the $150 or, you know, not not subscribing to the answering service or not subscribing to the software that helps you manage your properties cuz you, you know, it's cheaper to do it on Excel is you're giving up that mental space that lets you get some more properties or or go have fun or you know do something other than always be so so focused on your properties. Absolutely and that and that's how so many landlords used to do it and so many of them are still around and as they pass on properties and pass on information to newer landlords that same mindset is being translated or transferred and you know you, we joke about the trying to save $150 cuz it only takes 5 minutes to do it yourself but the thing about it is when it's all said and done, it's actually more than five minutes. you got to take 15, 20, 30 minutes, maybe even an hour to get to the property. Well, even before you go to the property to check on it, you got to get your tools together, which may take 15 or 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Then you travel another 30 minutes, maybe up to an hour, depending on how far you have to go. Um, then when you get there, you got to act cordial. So that may take a few minutes before you actually get to the essence of the issue. And, yeah, it may take you five minutes to... Uh, uh, find that piece of item that you could quickly fix or replace. 
and then you have then you leave you're being cordial again take another 5 10 15 minutes before you just run out another 15 20 30 minutes or more to get home another 30 minutes to put your tools back together and by the time you've done all that you know it's an easy 3 or 4 hours have gone by and for the typical rental property owner after they spent 3 or 4 hours dealing with this issue that only took them 5 minutes and they say whoa that's enough work for rental property work for the day. I'm going to just chill out for the rest of the day. And so the whole day is wasted on something. Yeah, you saved yourself 150 bucks, but during that whole day, you could have been learning another idea that could help get you an extra $1,000, $5,000, $10,000 this year in real estate. Very true. And and let's just, let's just lay it out there and say nobody has ever acted the way that you just described and built a rental business as big as your rental business. You just can't. You can't. Not possible. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I, I'm sure there's an exception to the rule, but I mean, you, why, why knock your head against the wall and try to be that one out of hundred or one out of 200 that's able to do it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're starting to get some questions in at uh, askvina at gmail.com. And I also want to make sure that uh, folks know that we've got a phone number here, too. We are live in the studio, assuming that you're listening on Wednesday at 530 and not later on on the podcast. Uh, the number here in the studio is 877-772-9658. Uh, first question is coming from... Uh, I want to say this is maybe pronounced Serena, Serena in Houston. She says, I'm, a, I'm at a little bit of a loss. I'm trying to put together a pre-screening form for potential residents. I especially don't want to waste my time showing units to somebody who can't qualify, but I don't want to violate fair housing law. What are the most important pre-screening questions that I could ask? Okay, well, that's Serena, you say? Yep. All right, Serena, I'll give you a couple of responses to that. Um, one, you, when when would you like to move? Uh, because that'll tell you right off if, if it's somebody that's looking to move soon, if it's somebody looking to move in 30 days or 60 days or longer, and that may affect um, how you handle it once you go through the pre-screening process. So when, when do you plan on moving? How much income do you have? How much verifiable income? do you have um, and what is the reason that you're moving from your current resident because that may give you some information that could be helpful to you in screening this particular person so why are you moving how much income are you looking to have when do you look to move or how much income do are you making when do you look to move and um, those are three questions right off the bat that you want to ask from a screening standpoint a pre-screening standpoint now I would also share with Serena, I understand the importance of doing some pre-screening, um, and, and a lot of landlords now are sending out like an email response with pre-screening questions, which include examples that I just gave you and some others. But I would just say this, if you, for me, just throwing it out to you, for me, if I've got an empty property, if I've got more than one empty property and I'm trying to fill them as fast as possible, with the most ideal resident, you know, I don't want to ask too many pre-screening questions because I don't want to turn off somebody that might be a prospective resident, a good prospective resident. Um, so I, I like to keep my pre-screening questions short um, so that I can go ahead and get to the next step 
and communicate with the, the, my excitement about why you would want to move into the property that I've got available for you right now. Mm-hmm. And Serena, you just you just heard one of the things that makes what Jeffrey teaches a lot different than what some other people out there, like everybody else out there, teaches, which is that he he's he doesn't constantly take a defensive posture against people. And I see that a lot with landlords. It's like they they're they're afraid of their applicants. They're afraid of their tenants. Everything is all about controlling them and making sure that they don't get one over on you. And uh, Jeffrey takes kind of the opposite tack and says, how how can I quickly get to getting them excited about this and getting them in here and then getting them to pay more rent and then getting them to pay even more rent next year, which we'll talk about when we come back from the break. Uh, Again, if you've got questions for Jeffrey Taylor, it's askvina at gmail.com. You can also give us a call at 877-772-9658. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and my guest today is Mr. Landlord, Jeffrey Taylor. Uh, and I'm suddenly getting this, this feeling like I'm not going to actually get to ask any of the questions I wanted to ask because we have folks on the phone. We've got folks uh, backing up here in the emails. And that's great because, you know, Jeffrey will be here on Saturday. If you're in the area, you can come and hear like the whole end-to-end presentation about all the stuff that he does to make sure that he gets more rent for his units than other people get for similar units, which, you know, if you don't want more properties, maybe you could just make the properties you have make more money. How about that? There you go. (laughs) I do want to just hit this question I got via email from Tom, who lives in Fort Mitchell. He says, I live and invest in Northern Kentucky. Should I still attend this event in Cincinnati or is it Ohio specific? It's not Ohio specific. We all we all invest in Northern Kentucky and Indiana when we get a chance. And uh, Jeffrey's presentation in particular is just it's not oriented toward like any one area. It's it's good general teaching and advice for all landlords. Let's go to the phones and talk to Eileen, who's calling from uh, on line one from Cincinnati. Eileen, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi. Um, I'm not an investor. I'm a homeowner. Uh, but I've always wondered. Um, homeowners pay a lot of taxes for as a homeowner, uh, you know, property taxes. Does that do the property taxes fit in with people on their renting? Uh, or how does that work? Well, the, the, the owner of the property pays the property taxes, not the tenant. But the, tenants, right. the tenant sort of pays it in, an, in a roundabout way because yeah. I, I can tell you that, that here in, in, the, in Hamilton County, we have the second highest property taxes in Ohio. Uh-huh. And if you live if you live in some place like you know Forest Park or Madeira, they're even higher than they are here in the city of Cincinnati, and it costs more to rent in those areas because every every rental property provider has has an option about where they're going to buy their properties, right? I mean, there are fifty two right. separate cities here in in Hamilton County. And I can buy in Cincinnati, I can buy in Norwood, I can buy in Madeira, I can buy in Indian Hill if I really have a ton of money to spend and think someone wants to rent an $1,100, a month rental. But what makes me choose is how expensive is it for me to own both in terms of things like you said, the property taxes, you know, the utilities are more expensive in some areas. And also, can I, can I, get, can I get more rent to compensate me for the higher 
taxes because if not, I'll just go buy someplace else. So the tenants ultimately do pay more, and it's because the <laughs> owner's paying more. Okay, because I, you know, lately I've been thinking, well, maybe I'll go back into, you know, get an apartment. And I keep looking at apartments. I live in the Pleasant Ridge area, and I've looked at some, not looked at them, but looked, you know, uh, checked into them and that. And, oh, my gosh, my mortgage is really, really low. It's like $408. Yeah, and that's... And However, my property taxes are like, well, they were for a long time, over 3000 a year, and I have a two-bedroom house, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, okay, so let's quit voting on these big taxes. <laughs> and and a- I always think it's probably the people that don't pay the, you know, the renters that don't pay the tax, and it's like, they they do pay them. They just they just pay them. Okay. They just pay them sort of sideways. Trust me, if there's a if there's oh, okay. a big tax hike, everybody's rent's going up. Now it won't be. Okay, yes. What's the name of the person that's calling? It's Eileen. Hi, Eileen. How are you doing? Yes. I'm just, just make You doing good? All right. I just want to throw out a tip to you. Um, should you become a rental property owner at some point? One of the things that I suggest to rental property owners when there's a, a new tax or the tax increases or there's any kind of fees that the city might want to add to the expense that the property owner is paying, I strongly suggest to rental property owners to have a letter ready to go to all of their residents letting them know, you know, there's going to be a rent increase. It looks like it's going to be a rent increase because of a proposed legislation, proposed tax increase, and we just wanted to get the word to you before that proposal goes into effect so perhaps you can contact your local council person, et cetera, et cetera, and let them know, hey, this is affecting me. Um, This might not be the best thing for this isn't what I would want you guys to do at this time and try to get your residents working with you to help oppose those taxes. So I definitely let my residents know, you know, you're going to be affected by any property tax increase, any fees, any legislation that's going to add to the bottom to to my expenses. But I want to give you an opportunity to help me to keep up your rent as low as possible. (laughs) By calling city council (laughs) saying, don't do this. I'm glad to hear that because, like I said, I have a feeling there's people that live in apartment buildings around here that say, oh, I don't have to pay it, so heck yeah, I'll vote for uh, free preschool or something. (laughs) Yes, you are are probably right. What about a senior citizen? You know, we're seniors, (laughs) and we're not getting any more money anytime fast, so... But I, I've always wondered that. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed, you know, I enjoy your program, even though I probably will never invest. That's just not, not uh, we'll, me. We'll get you eventually. Oh, uh, <laughs> better hurry. Better hurry. George will tell you why. But anyway, you guys take care and have a good day. I'm sitting in traffic on 75, by the way, North. Thank It's backed up real good. So. Thank you for your call, Eileen. Appreciate uh-huh. it. All right. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, she she's she's right uh you know i don't think land i don't think tenants always make that direct connection between how much rent i'm paying and how much expense the landlord is carrying that's not even they don't make they don't make that connection at all that's why i say you've got to let your residents know what's going on Mm -hmm. and that and that's another thing vina um so often rental property owners after they get people on their property they, they become they're no longer proactive 
when I said earlier that we start off with the wrong mindset, the mindset that most landlords have is they, they get the um, person in the property and they no longer do anything after that. They kind of sit around and hope that they, the rents will go, that they'll get more money each year, that the people will take care of the place, that they'll stay forever until a rude awakening occurs, and none of these three things are <laughs> happening. So it's so many things we can do on a proactive basis. And just letting your residents know when expenses are going up, letting them know that, um, and don't assume that they realize that it's affecting them because they don't. As the person said, most people, most residents, they're not thinking about taxes going up. They want, as she said, better schools, better this, better that. Go, oh, yeah, raise this, raise that. So it's on us as the landlord to be proactive. Very true. And in so many different ways, um, I know one of the things that you've been doing in your own rental business for years and years and years is not just sitting around waiting for the year to be up and for the tenant to maybe call and ask about should they renew their lease or not. You've got a whole program where you're contacting them in advance of their lease renewal. Oh, yeah. Six months in advance at a minimum. Six months out, we're, we're reminding them they're going to get a free gift on their anniversary date. Be sure and let us know. You don't have to wait till then, Mr. Resident. You can let us know month six, month seven so that we can go ahead and schedule to have this property upgrade of your choice um, given to you. And then we got people calling us six months, seven months, eight months into the relationship. Hey, Mr. Taylor, here's what I'd like for our anniversary gift. So we don't even get to the point where it's a question of whether you're going to stay or not. No, they're looking forward to their anniversary gift and what the free property upgrade is they're going to receive. Speaking of the word free. <laughs> I, had to, I, had to, I had to get you to explain that because... Um, you you were one of my earliest guests here on Real Life Real Estate, which has been on the air for 22 years now. And um, George Zahn, who is happens to be running the board today, he doesn't usually run it, but he was running it the first time you were on. And he's not even in real estate, and he's been talking about that ever since. He's been saying, oh, my God, I love Mr. Landlord's three-star program. He's it's so, it's so brilliant the way he, he doesn't just keep, get people to stay. He makes them happy to stay. And you also typically give them a little rent raise with this free anniversary gift, right? I do. In fact, I even asked him how much they wanted to go up. <laughs> you think I'm joking, but I'm very serious. You know, I found that it works out a whole lot better if you give your residents a choice of how much they want the rent to go up. You know, you let them know, you know it could be this or it could be that, um, depending on market conditions. But because you are a three-star resident, to use that term that you say that I use a lot, which I do, because you are a three-star resident, I want to give you the opportunity to get your feedback on how much you think you'll be able to uh, do of this rent increase that we've got to do because of the different things um, being added in expenses to the property. And so when they come back with a price, more than likely that price is something that you can live with, and you say, great, I think our company can work with that. Let me check, you know, because you're not the owner. And, and then you come back and you let them know, good news. We can go along with your proposal for how much the rent's going to go up. Now everybody's happy because they played a part in the decision-making process. Interesting. So this isn't a multiple choice question like would you like your rent to go up twenty five, fifty or seventy five? You just say oh. In essence, yes. yes oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. So let me guess that they typically and even pick if they the pick lowest. The lowest one, you still come out ahead. <laughs> 
That's right. Because <laughs> most landlords are sitting around scared to raise the rent. They got people in their properties two years, three years. I hear it all the time. Uh, landlords saying, "Well, I only do my rent increases at time of turnover." Forget that. By the time, if I waited six years for my next turnover. Um, I'd be way behind the eight ball in terms of uh, the amount of money that I should be receiving on that property. No, you can get it right along the way every year and let your residents help you decide on how much is going to go up. Keeps everybody happy. And remember how expensive moving is. I, that's that's the thing that when, when somebody says, well, I haven't raised rent on this tenant in 14 years because I don't want them to move. I'm like, you know how expensive this move, right? So you, you, didn't, you didn't raise their rent 10 bucks a month. Because you're afraid they're going to spend $1,000 moving. But the thing is, Vina, they don't know that they're going to spend 1000 That's another thing that we can do proactively as a rental property owner. Somebody, if a resident says to me, um, you know, we're thinking about moving, well, I understand, Mrs. Jones, I understand completely. To help you out, let me give you a checklist, a planning to move checklist with the different possible expenses that you will have if you decide to move. That way you can have make an educated decision on whether you want to move or not. And so I give them the paper with all the different expenses from needing another security deposit, cost for utility deposits, et cetera, et cetera, loss of time. And we've got a whole list of 20, 30 things on there. It'll add up to over a couple of thousand dollars, but we want to help you to make an educated decision. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very, very good. Uh, we need to take another quick break. When we come back, I'm going to start diving into this pile of email questions that we have at askvina at gmail.com. If you want to get a question in, your best bet is give us a call at 877-772-9658. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. And you're starting to see why we're so excited to have Mr. Landlord here on Saturday because he's so excited about the rental business. Uh, George was just sharing with me that he wished his father had had this education and information and hadn't felt so beaten down by the rental business as uh, as as many people feel. And in fact, uh, I do have a question that just popped up on Gmail uh, that is from... Before you ask that question, can I make another comment? Uh-huh. Yeah, 100%. I just wanted to tie in a couple of the things that were um, stated or asked earlier. I think it was Serena who talked about a pre-screening questions. And then I had mentioned at the very beginning about my fair housing case. And then you had talked about how things are kind of changing in the rental business. Well, one of the things I strongly suggest, whether you're using a written pre-screening checklist um, that you're emailing to your residents or you're talking pre-screening over the phone, it's real important that you do have it written down so that you can be consistent in what you say um, so that you don't have different answers because fair housing agencies are out there and they're doing testing and they want to see if people are being treated consistently. Uh, I said earlier that it's important that you do enough of the right things where one of the right things you can do is have that screening checklist in writing so that you're consistent in all your responses but then even more importantly getting back to the point about trying to do everything yourself well one of the ways you get away from doing everything yourself if you as you start to delegate you start to delegate different parts of your business and responding to people on the phone if you're giving it over to a um, a virtual assistant or somebody that you've hired part-time to answer some of your calls or respond to some of the people that have inquired if you do that the script
script can help you tremendously, and more importantly, it allows you to not have to deal with that aspect of your business so you can focus on other things, whether it's just enjoying life or acquiring more properties. I, when I hear landlords, say, one of the biggest complaints that I get, especially from those that are beat down, as you say, they say, well, Jeffrey, I, I tried to turn it over to an assistant. I tried to turn it over to a manager, um, but they never did things the way I would want them to do. You know, nobody can do it like me, and I've heard that so many times. The problem is the landlords never take the time to get their business in writing, have different scripts, have different checklists that they have in writing, so when they do delegate stuff, they can pass that script, that policy, that procedure to somebody so they can follow it exactly the way you would want them to follow it. Then there's no excuse about they didn't do it the way you want them to do it. But most of us as rental property owners, we never take the time to document how we run our business, which is another big reason why we never get past five to ten rentals because we don't have anything in writing. So all we do is hope that the, somebody we get to help us will do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Well, forget that. Not only can that be costly from a fair housing standpoint, but it's just a you're, you're rolling the dice and hoping that people will be able to be as successful as you were. And that's not going to happen in many cases. And I'm not trying to knock a property manager or an assistant, but it's just like any other business. 20% of them might be excellent, but the other 80% are so-so. And I run into all these landlords who are dealing with the 80%, and, and guess who they're blaming, Vina? For their problems. Yeah, it's the, it's the property manager. It's the property manager. Or it's the, the tenants. It's somebody so they, really need to be bl- <laughs> they need to be blaming themselves because they haven't taken the time to document their business and run their business like a business. But I don't fault them because just like me when I started out in this business, I was doing stuff the old-fashioned way. And nobody told me I need to document how I do my business. Nobody told me that I need to have written checklists. Nobody told me these kind of things. So not only was I doing things on my own, I was taking a chance anytime I got somebody to help me. And that's not the way that you grow to 50, 100, 200 rentals. Mm-hmm. So true. So true. Because in addition to not being able to train other people what you're doing, it's almost like you're reinventing the wheel every time you do it. You know, there's some yeah. there's some stuff in your business that, you, I mean, you do it like every week. So you kind of get it down pat, but no one else can do it because it's all inside your head. But then there's mm-hmm. the stuff that only happens once a year, like rent raise letters, right? And if you don't, if you don't have a document, a documented system, each time you're kind of going, well, how much should I raise the rent? And what should I, yeah. what letter should I write to them to say I'm raising the rent? And it's it's so <laughs> like it's to save so much time just to have a system. And a, here here's the rent raise letter. Here's how much we raise the rent. Boom, out it goes, right? Yeah, and even the stuff you do every week. Yeah, you, the chances are higher that you'll do it the same way, but you know, some days you might feel better than other days. Um, you, you might be excited. You might be energetic this day. You might be on top of your game, that kind of feeling. And then other days it's like, boy, do I have to get out of bed? <laughs> and so you don't do things in the same efficient way that you did them last week because you're just not feeling up to it. And so let's try to eliminate some of those feelings in our business and, and get down to doing it in an efficient manner in a way that's most effective because you know all you got to do is follow the steps, whether you feel like doing it or not. Mm-hmm. You, you are right. You are right. So um, I have a question here from one of those burned out landlords that you were talking about. Um, this is this is Val. She's writing from Worthington and she says, I'm afraid I am in that bottom third at this point where I'm thinking about getting rid of all of their all of my rental properties. The thing that scares me more than anything else is the expanding issue of emotional support animals. So this is a for folks who aren't who aren't familiar with that. 
this is a fair housing thing that has sort of, I don't know, it's come to a head over the last maybe two to three years where the question is no longer do you have to allow like a seeing eye dog. It's do you have to allow an emotional support horse in your rentals, you know, seriously. Uh, no, so, no. <laughs> so Val's question is where, where do you see this going? If you have any opinion about it at all. And who was it that asked the question? Val. Val? I think it's Val, like Valerie. Oh, Val. Yeah. Okay, Val. Um, in response to your question, um, I'm going to I'm going to make a bigger picture because I'm not going to get into the ins and outs about um, dealing with emotional support animals. Uh, other than to say this, landlords need to not be fearful of being tricked by somebody with an emotion that's falsely trying to get in using a some document that they got online over the internet, et cetera, et cetera, to prove that they um, should have this emotional support animal. We were just talking a couple of minutes ago about pre-screening and even bigger than that, the whole idea of having your criteria. You know, if landlords really had a good set of criteria where they had maybe 20 or 30 things that they look for in the residents that they want, in the ideal residents that they want, if somebody actually met my criteria, um, whether they had an emotional support animal or not, if they really met my criteria, I'd be more than happy to rent to them, more than happy to rent to them. Most of the people who are faking it and things like that, more than likely they wouldn't meet your criteria anyway. So I don't turn them down and say I'm not renting to you because you have a, uh, a, a an animal, um, which I can't do if, if it's technically or legally an emotional support animal, um, but I can turn them down for other legal reasons based on my criteria. So I just stick to my criteria. If they can actually meet all of my criteria, then you're more than welcome to come with your emotional support animal. I'm not going to get into a debate with you on whether that's, whether you're being truthful or not. That's, you know, I, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a test case for fair housing and even go down that road. I'm saying that to you and saying that to the audience. I'm not saying that to the resident. So (laughs) I hope I'm getting across my point. My point here is the person doesn't have to be who thinks she's in the bottom third um, or he in the bottom third. No, no, you don't have to be in the bottom third. You don't have to feel like you're getting burned out because of um, the different challenges that are occurring. No, you just need to know how to run your business effectively and efficiently, and you can easily be excited about this business. Um, and that's how I've been. That's that's how I've been doing it for 35 years. I just try to stay on top of the situation. I try to anything that comes along and say, okay, how can I better handle this situation myself? And I, I've had to deal with emotional support animals, and I found out real quick. I, I'll get totally frustrated if I'm going to let uh, if I'm going to put myself in a situation where I'm trying to determine whether somebody is being truthful or honest about. Forget all that. You, you, here's my criteria. Let's go through this criteria. If you actually meet all this criteria, I'm so thankful that you decided to rent to us. Um, let's get this thing going, get the deposit in, get your first month's rent. Let's make this happen, Mrs. So-and-so. And everybody's happy. But again, if they're just trying to fake their way through the system, it's more, more than likely over 90% of the time, they're not going to meet all my criteria. So there's no need for me to worry or get bent out of shape about that whole scenario. Again, it sounds like everybody else in the world is playing defense and you're playing offense. Yeah, exactly. 
That, that, that's amazing. If you go do things all the time, you're going to stay frustrated. You're going to stay unhappy. You're going to, you're, going to, you're going to be, you know, the average rental property owner, when they get out of this business, Vina, it's like they're throwing their hands up in the air. I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any more. You seldom run across a, a rental property owner that says, whoa, I finished the course. I finished the race. This is super. I've had a great time. I'm just turning the property over to my children. I'm selling it for top dollar. Very seldom you run across rental property owners like that. No, most of them that's ready to give up in this business is their hands are up in the air. Please, please take my properties. And that's why so many good deals out there on the market for people who are uh, looking to buy property because there's always going to be frustrated rental property owners. In fact, as we have more and more regulations and different things like emotional support animals and different scenarios that come into this business, it's the, the amount of frustration is probably going to continue to rise. But if you know how to do your business right, if you know how to do it effectively, you'll be able to swoop up so many prop, more properties than you could possibly handle. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you understand why we love Mr. Landlord and why you need to get here on Saturday for the Greater Cincinnati Real Estate Investing Expo, which is free and open to the public. We just need to know that you're coming. If you could go to uh, CincinnatiRia.com and let us know that. Again, that is CincinnatiRia.com, CincinnatiREIA.com. And Jeffrey, I'm looking forward to seeing you on Saturday. Looking forward to seeing you again, Jefina. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. 